Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe, I am your host, and I have ADHD. And I also have an inbox full, a Facebook community podcast group full, a TikTok comment section full of people asking me to speak about ADHD more formally on the Sunshine Project. And so finally, I have pulled it together and here we are. Now, I have never written so many notes for an episode as I have for today's episode, and I'm going to try and condense this as much as I can, because I know that if you're listening to this and you have ADHD, that is what you're looking for. And over the next two episodes, you and I are going to be talking about what ADHD actually is. We're going to be talking about ADHD diagnosis. We're going to be talking about my personal journey with ADHD, what that's looked like for me. And then, of course, on Wednesday's episode, we are going through all things Sunshine Toolkit, where I'm going to share with you the ways that I have added a little bit of sunshine into quite an ADHD life. With that being said, I think it's time that we step into our mindful moment. Hello you. You know that each week we start the Sunshine Project by turning up together, by aligning our bodies and our minds and making sure that we are present and feeling good and feeling safe and feeling connected. So what I want you to do right now is to breathe out any stale old air that's in your throat or in your mouth or in your lungs. And then I want you to take a huge big gulp of fresh, delicious air right into your lungs. I want you to fill those lungs and hold them one, two, three, and then breathe out. And I want you to do two more big, deep, resetting breaths. Breathe all the way down into your stomach. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to time you, but you want to be breathing in long, hold long, out long, maybe even more than three, because while you're doing that, I want you to be moving your hands at their wrists, doing little circles, and your feet at the ankles. I want you to stretch your spine. I want you to stretch your arms out as high as they can go and down to your side. I want you to bend over if you've got the space and the room just bend at the waist and let your hands touch the floor like a little rag doll. I just want you to move and shake and stretch and yeah any tension any tenseness any tightness we are letting it go today and as you wrap that up as you make your body feel good in whatever way your body needs In today's mindful moment, I want to talk to you about how our differences are golden. Whatever your differences look like, maybe they've got a name, maybe they are ADHD, maybe they are autism or depression or anxiety or, I don't know, having pink hair. Whatever makes you different might have a name or it might not. 
That might be because you don't want to name it, you don't feel ready to name it. It might be because it doesn't have a name, it's just you. It's just who you are. Those things make the world so much more interesting. They make you so much more interesting. Those differences, my love, are golden. Can you imagine how boring and dystopian it would be if we were all the same? If we all looked the same, dressed the same, thought the same, felt the same? There are dystopian novels about that and the main character is always the one person who thinks differently. So maybe you have a mind that is analytical or a mind that is scattered. Maybe you are bold and bright and a lot in the most beautiful way or maybe you are quiet and considered and you think everything through. However different you are, whatever you've been told about that in the past, that stuff is what sets us aside from boring and dystopian. It is beautiful. And my love, whatever your differences are, they are so welcome here. I'm so glad and so proud of you turning up just as you are, just as they are, and for being just who you are. All of you is welcome here. And I'm so glad that you are. So that was our mindful moment of this week. That was probably the most calm we're going to get over the next few episodes because as I mentioned up the tippy top, we are just running through stuff this week. And if that's not your vibe, if you like the slower, more considered episodes, then I do recommend going back and listening to the mindful moments that were released over Christmas. But if you want to learn all you can about ADHD in the next 15 minutes or so, and then again on Wednesday, then you are in the right place. Before we delve into this week's series on ADHD properly, I do want and need to make a disclaimer. I am not a doctor, and these episodes do not serve as a diagnostic tool. I have no degree, I have no medical expertise, I have no formal qualification. What I'm sharing with you today and on Wednesday are my own experiences. They are facts backed by resources and they are sound, but they are not medical advice. Okie dokie, let's get into it. What is ADHD? Well, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So there are two parts to that word. We've got attention deficit and we've got hyperactivity. There are also two types of ADHD that really commonly present as well as a third combination type, which is also common. So we've got a predominantly inattentive presentation. That's that attention deficit bit at the start of the phrase. So a predominantly inattentive presentation might look like being easily distracted. It might look like always jumping up, always fidgeting, always moving one's body around. It's often described by people who have the disorder as feeling like you are being driven by a motor. 
And it also often presents in interrupting people, bursting out with things to say, talking really quickly. A predominantly inattentive presentation, which is the AD in attention deficit of ADHD, might look like it being tricky for an individual who has this type of ADHD to organize or finish a task, to get things in order, to pay attention to details, to listen to instructions. They might present in a way that means they're unable to follow instructions, that they forget things and that they have trouble sticking to routines. So that's an inattentive presentation. And then we've got the HD, which is hyperactive disorder of ADHD, also known as hyperactive impulsive presentation. And this looks like often more physical symptoms. It might look like the person who has this type of ADHD fidgeting a lot, talking a lot. It might look like interrupting or talking really quickly. It's kind of the classic ADHD presentation that a lot of us grew up with. You know, kid at school struggles to stay in their chair. They're fidgeting with pens. They're fidgeting with rulers. They're all over the shop. And it's often described by especially young people with ADHD as feeling like they are being driven by a motor. And then, of course, we've got a combined presentation. So when those two things are combined, an inattentive presentation and a hyperactive presentation, we end up with someone who has a mix or a range of symptoms from either camp. The number one way I like to describe ADHD, especially if I'm talking to someone who doesn't have the disorder or wants to understand more about the disorder or perhaps has some preconceived ideas about what the disorder looks like, is that ADHD is commonly believed to be a dopamine regulation disorder. And the reason that I like to describe it this way is that a physiological issue, a physiological presentation, something going on in the brain is something that most people can understand. If you've got a sore throat, it's because your throat is inflamed. If you've got depression, it's because your brain struggles to produce or regulate serotonin. If you've got ADHD, it's because your brain struggles to produce or regulate dopamine. Now, this is constantly being researched, and there are many, many different opinions and facts and validities around whether this is an appropriate and complete picture of what ADHD actually is. But again, for me, it's really helpful because people understand when I say my brain struggles to produce dopamine, my brain struggles to regulate the dopamine it produces. It kind of pushes out a whole ton when I do things that stimulate dopamine and then burns through it all at once and I crash. That is something that people can understand. So how does ADHD present? There are a number of ways. And one thing that we're going to get onto in a moment is I'm going to be really careful not to give you any information that's going to make you think, oh, I've never thought about this, but that is definitely me. It explains my entire personality and it is all of who I am right now. But some ADHD presentations that are recognized in adults are something called object constancy. It's often falsely referred to as object permanence, but all it means is that if you do not have an object, a calendar, a set of keys, a plant that needs watering right in front of you, your brain just forgets about it. It's gone. It's out. It's the reason I use paper grocery bags instead of fabric ones. 
It's the reason that if food is at the back of the fridge, I never ever see it. And it's the reason that plants in our house died for years until I got on top of this. Next up, we've got executive function. So that is my silly little noggin, not understanding what's important and what's not. It can look like being late to things because I actually just really desperately need to paint my toenails right now. And I know that that means I'm going to be late for this very important event, but my brain is giving as much executive priority to the nail painting as it is to, I don't know, my cousin's wedding. It looks like hyperfocus, which is being really intensely focused on something, getting short-term projects done, getting often quite distressed if you are interrupted or distracted, gobbling up all the information you can about that idea or concept or event or food or, I don't know, cottage renovation, and then throwing yourself all the way in. It can look like time blindness, which is connected to that executive function, but, you know, essentially just means that you do not have a good concept of time. What's five minutes? It's an abstract thought. And something that is commonly aligned with ADHD in adult presentation, but there's not official research decided whether this is a causation or a correlation thing, is RSD, which is Rejection Sensitive Disorder which is rejection sensitivity disorder. And that can look like being incredibly sensitive, quite fragile, and very, very hyper aware of when someone is pushing a no your way. There is so much information out there on ADHD now, and I've seen things saying that, you know, difficulty working in a job for a long time is a core symptom of ADHD, or that being in a relationship, having difficulty there is a core symptom of ADHD, or that addiction is a core symptom of ADHD. But it just goes to show that we can't get all of our information off of the internet because you can really trace those things back to the dopamine processing disorder dopamine regulation, you know, object permanence, executive function. There's lots of cause and effect going on. So yeah, maybe speak to a psychiatrist about what your symptoms are, how you're presenting and how it's affecting your life if you feel that it is. Okay, let's get into the juicy stuff. So, diagnosis. Why would someone get a diagnosis for ADHD? There are two reasons that I can think of. Potentially, because they're struggling and they need help, they need assistance, they need uh, something's got to give. Secondly, it might be an identity thing, an explanation thing, a reason that they've been struggling in the past something that explains a lot of moments in their life, a lot of their personality traits. The diagnostic process for ADHD is long and arduous and difficult and it can be invalidating and exhausting and I can't really imagine anyone seeking an ADHD diagnosis purely for identity reasons. I think the two probably play in together a lot. But let's talk about how I realised I had ADHD. 
I found out that I had ADHD from TikTok. And I know there's a great legion of people out there rolling their eyes, but there are two things we need to address right up the bat here. Yes, it is so important not to pathologize a normal human experience. It's so important not to see videos relating to mental health, mental illness, disorders, disabilities, and apply them to ourselves with no basis in reality. Because anyone could be making those videos. Anyone can be saying anything they want. However, the gatekeeping of ADHD that I see so often drives me absolutely bananas. The idea that someone cannot realise or recognise that they have ADHD through watching TikTok videos is absolutely laden with privilege. It's laden with the privilege of being supported when you were younger by teachers or family members or parents. It is laden with privilege around the way that you present, around the way that you mask. It is laden with financial privilege, with emotional privilege. If the first step of your ADHD recognition and diagnosis is watching TikToks, watching Reels, seeing things online, you are valid. That is valid. Of course, it's what happens next that matters. It is taking that from a concept to an actual diagnosis. But while we should not pathologize a general human experience and pathologize normal human behaviors, we should also not gatekeep a diagnosis that can save people's lives. And truth be told, that's why I've been so hesitant to make this episode for so long, is because I don't want to be part of that conversation that is putting out excess information or unresearched, unvalidated information. But for every 10 people who think, hmm, maybe I have ADHD, if it means one person, no, for every 100 people who think, hmm, maybe I have ADHD and keep scrolling, if there is one person who recognizes themselves in this and ends up alive for longer, happier for longer, living a full and fulfilled life because of that, then holy guacamole, is that worth it to me? All right, let's get more specific. What was my experience with ADHD? So as I've mentioned, I ended up on ADHD talk a couple of years ago. It's when people had just started talking about it, had just started making those videos that were like, hey, do you lose your keys? You might have ADHD. And I found the videos really relatable, right? Because a lot of them are, again, to many people. But as the algorithm kept feeding me more and more specific content, I just found myself nodding along more and more. And I would always show them to Patrick, my sweet husband, and Lucas, our dear friend who lives with us. And I would say, oh my God, isn't this relatable? And they would look at me blankly and say, no. And to be honest, that's really when I started to think, hmm, maybe there's something in this. Because the truth is, before this period in my life, I had pictured ADHD as my little brother. My little brother did get diagnosed with ADHD when he was a child, and he and I are two of the most different people you could possibly imagine. I was always the good girl. I worked hard. I applied myself. I, you know, I love him. But school was not his place. He was constantly suspended, constantly expelled, constantly in detention, always in trouble for not keeping still or listening or learning. 
and none of that had anything to do with me. But as I started feeling like this new set of information was a little bit more relatable, this stuff about how ADHD presented differently in girls and women than it does in young boys, which was exactly what I was picturing when I thought about the term, I went onto Reddit and I found a subreddit called ADHD Women. I'll link it in the show notes. And I just scrolled and scrolled and scrolled. And for every meme and every commentary and every personal experience, I just felt so so connected to these people. It was like reading a star sign, like the world's most specific star sign. You know, when you're like, oh my God, that is because I'm a Libra. It was that, but to do with my brain and my entire life. It was at this point that I got off of the internet because I knew that the more I scrolled and the more I aligned with this, the more I was going to invalidate myself. And I knew that what I was feeling was valid. I knew this for a number of reasons. I was really struggling at this point. I must have said to Lucas twice a day for about a month up until then, I am on the edge of a breakdown. I felt so overwhelmed and teary all the time. I'd recently stopped vlogging because I was spending half the day in bed and that did not make good content. And I had been a few years earlier for an assessment with a psychologist to see if I had bipolar disorder. Because just before my father died, he was diagnosed with bipolar and I thought maybe that explained a lot of my stuff. But what I learned is that the way that I presented was way too acute. I was up and down in a matter of hours, not a matter of weeks or months. I was spontaneous, yes, but not baking 20 cakes for no reason in the middle of the night spontaneous. So with all of this in mind, I went to see my GP. Now. If I could recommend one thing right off the bat for your life, it is to get a good GP. I found a GP a few years ago. He's male, which is very different to what I usually look for, but he listens to me. He understands me. He validates me. And when I walked in and I said to him, so I've been thinking about pursuing an ADHD diagnosis, he leaned back in his chair and he said to me, thank God. And I was shocked. I was like, sorry. Are you getting me confused with someone? I am keeping this a secret. And he said, no, I actually have just helped another patient of mine through an ADHD diagnosis and you two are basically the same person. This was at the start of ADHD diagnosis in women becoming more popular. So I was very, very lucky in that I only had to wait about three months for my referral to my psychiatrist. He also was free to see. And in the meantime, I did an ADHD questionnaire, little BuzzFeed quiz, except not that, very official and diagnostic. I hated doing this initial questionnaire because it was like a checklist of all of my worst personality traits. Do you interrupt people when they're talking? Yes. Do you run late for things? Yes. Do you struggle to finish tasks? Yes. And just when I was feeling really bad about myself, I decided that I was not happy with my own representation of my experience. I needed it to be validated by the people around me. Because, you know, us women, we are always invalidating our own medical experiences or being invalidated medically. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just making things up in my head. So I took the finished quiz, hid the answers and asked Patrick, do you think I 
interrupt? Do you think I'm always late? Do you think I misplace things often? Yes, yes, yes. Did the same thing with Lucas, who, as my friend, had a slightly different position, but yes, yes, yes. And then ran through the same questionnaire with my mum, and she was able to draw on my childhood experience and me as a teenager and me now and again. Yes, yes, yes. This wasn't a requirement for an ADHD diagnosis. It was just something that felt really important to me. Again, to know that I wasn't making things up. And I know that sounds like I'm being mean to myself, and I probably am, but it's also the truth. I then went to see my psychiatrist. I actually did miss my first appointment, which it turns out is very common in people with ADHD who are undiagnosed and unmedicated. And he confirmed quick as can be that this was something that I was struggling with. He broke his questions down into sections and he told me, if you scored four out of 16 in the way that I go through this, then there would be a very high chance you have ADHD. And I said, oh, okay, what did I score out of 16? It was 15. When I first got diagnosed, I thought, I do not want to be medicated. That is not for me. Number of reasons. A really big one is that addiction played a part in my father's life and my father's death before he died. And I felt like I'd been doing okay before then. I felt like I probably didn't need any help, but my psychiatrist was really lovely. He said, go away, do some research, look into it, come back and let me know what you decide. And so I did that. And as I thought about my father and his addiction and his death and the whole experience, I started to see things in a slightly different light. This new alternate perspective that I found actually changed my life, not only in terms of being medicated, but in terms of a lot of things. Because I took to my psychiatrist a whole collection of Connor, that's my father, a whole collection of things that he had left to me. They were business name registrations. They were school reports. They were all these dreams and ideas and plans and medical notes. And my psychiatrist surveyed them and he said, I would have diagnosed this man with ADHD in a heartbeat. There is a huge prevalence of people who have undiagnosed ADHD who also have depression, who have trigger warning, um, suicidal ideation, and who do lose their lives to that mental state and it's as I was realizing all of this that I realized that if Connor had been diagnosed appropriately if he had been treated for ADHD if he had seen in himself that this was something that was not his fault and was able to be helped able to be challenged able to be made a golden advantage rather than something that made him feel so useless, I think he might have lived. And he didn't. And it made me realise that I needed to take this really seriously, if not for me, then for him and for all the people like him. And that not getting out of bed for days at a time was not normal mid-twenties behaviour. And that I was really unwell that I was really struggling, 
And so I found a medication that worked really well for me. I started taking 30 milligrams of this medication, which I'm not going to name because I feel like that might be medical advice, but I will say it is a slow dose medication. I take one a day. It lasts all day. It's got a slow release, which means that it is often recommended to people with addiction issues. And the best way that I can describe this medication is that the very first day that I took it, my brain for the last 20 years had felt like that scene at the start of the first Harry Potter movie where there are hundreds and thousands of letters flying around even though there's no post on Sundays. They're coming through the chimney, they're coming through the slot in the door there. Those letters were my thoughts. A million, billion, brilliant ones, but so many that I could not keep up, I could not get them organised. For years, I had been spending days in bed because my brain hurt with how much was in there. I just couldn't grab them. And the first time I took this medication, it was like someone calmly walked through the door holding one of the letters, walked over to me, hands outstretched, and placed it in my hand. I was able to open up that letter, read the thought that was inside, and move on with my day. Now, medication is not for everyone, but it has been for me. It's been two years since I started taking it. And this medication, this diagnosis, this acceptance, this understanding has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. All this little tablet does is regulate my dopamine in the same way that most of the population can regulate their dopamine on their own, but... Holy guacamole, I am so thankful for it. And on that very earnest and personal note, my love, on Wednesday's episode, you and I are talking about living with ADHD and the things that can help us do that well and do that happily and do that healthily. If there's someone in your life who you think would benefit from listening to this episode, please pass it on to them. I would love to offer them kinship or assistance or, again, not a doctor, but yeah, I would really, really appreciate that. It is the best way to grow the podcast as well and to find new like-minded people who like this stuff and whatever your brain's doing, wherever you're at, I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope you find many things that are a little bit sunshiny in the 48 hours ahead and I will speak to you soon. I love you, good human. Goodbye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.